Hello and welcome to The Lion's Den, a conversational show from Aslan's Place Ministry. I'm your host, Brian Cox. In this episode, Barbara, my dad, and I discuss the fact that true peace is only possible through Jesus Christ. We also share ways to overcome fear through Jesus, the Word of God, and prayer. So with that, let's enter the lion's den. Uh, this is April, excuse me, March, not April, March the 30th, 2020. And we are now in the midst of the uh, COVID um, lockdown. So for context, we understand that many times podcasts are listened to in the future. And so our context for what's happening today is a context of the coronavirus and all the implications of that, all of us being um, uh, isolated from each other and businesses being closed. And so as I was pondering this, um, I realized that one of the big issues uh, that are that is happening right now for all of us is the issue of fear. And uh, we won't be talking about that and the generational and spiritual implications of fear. And then, of course, the opposite of fear is peace and rest. And I, I do not know that, in, certainly in my lifetime, in my memory anyway, I do not know of a time of higher anxiety and fear than uh, we have noticed worldwide um, today. And there is all sorts of information coming out on television from various pastors and leaders and um, people in alternate uh, spiritual uh, counseling are giving advice. And so I want to make a, a couple of statements up front, and then we're going to... Um, look at some of the things the Lord has just shown us very recently. Uh, the first thing I want to state is peace is not a place. It is a person, and the person is Jesus Christ. I heard a nationally known uh, pastor say, we need to find our place of peace. And he talked in such generalities as if that is going to be something that's going to be helpful. That is not helpful. That does not give any answer to anybody about what to do exactly and tangibly um, for the fear and anxiety that's being uh, felt today. Uh, my brother and sister-in-law stay at our house in a trailer, and he is every day coming told me of friends that he's talked to who who are in the state of extreme panic. Uh, they uh, they don't have income. They have no place for income. Uh, one person was uh, uh, the owner of a restaurant who tried to actually set up tables outside and have people sit six feet apart, and the, the police came in and shut them down. And I don't think they were fine, but they were certainly shut down. So the reality is uh, everywhere there's a lot of uh, anxiety and fear. And we want to declare up front that it is in Jesus Christ that we find peace. He is the Prince of Peace, and that is not just simply a nice title. That is a reality. The second thing I want to observe, uh, because of what the media is saying, is that Christianity is not against science. Um, the, these things are being 
spoken about freely. Christians are being criticized that if Christian, if Christianity had embraced science, then we would not be involved where we are today. And I want to declare again, Christianity is not against science. My son uh, is a scientist in many levels, and uh, he certainly is not against uh, against science. I would declare rather that the media is against Christianity, and the media denies, and much of the church denies the reality of the spiritual world and the influence of the dimensions, which the Bible calls the heavenly places. And we're going to be talking about that. Yeah, I want to say, I often say that science helps us have or gain or learn vocabulary to communicate what God is teaching us supernaturally. And it is saddened that historically we have found such a divide between people of faith and scientists. When, when really God made all of creation for us to share and explore, science should be and can be an exploration of creation to gain more understanding, but yet somehow we, we find this division where people will use any language possible to keep God out of the concept of what they're learning and studying. Yes, and this is, this is profoundly amazing to me that the Christian leaders will not take this opportunity to lift up Jesus Christ, his, him, him crucified and resurrected from the dead. It is only in Jesus Christ that the solution for fear and anxiety can be taken care of. And I think that is really, really important. I want to also share a little bit of my testimony. And I know I've shared this before, and we never know people who are new or people that have not connected with Aziz Place. I became a Christian at the age of six, but I, I, can, I can think back in my life that I was a person really of high anxiety. Um, I, I, I became a believer, as I said, at six in the First Baptist Church of Honolulu, Hawaii. I grew up with Christian parents. I, I attended church all the time. I was taught the word. Those were the days when you actually were taught the word, that you actually went to Sunday school. I was in church every Sunday. Sunday for training union was a Southern Baptist church. And then the evening service during the week I was in church. So I was exposed to the Bible, exposed to Christianity. Yet, uh, as, as a young married man, uh, as I started dealing with the realities of life, I would go through periods of, of hang, high anxiety. I don't think I would have been called a um, chronic, myself as chronic anxiety, but I certainly would go through periods of um, high, high anxiety. And then when, um, after I'd finished pastoring and we started Aziz Place, I actually experienced uh, three days of panic when I was in, Hollow, in uh, actually on the Big Island. I uh, realized the that we were running out of money in Aziz's place and was so fearful about what would happen. And so I, I have that history. And sometime after that, I was in San Jose area at a friend's church. We were set up um, prayer appointments and we were starting to do generational prayer. That was in the very, very early days. And I was praying for this lady and out of my mouth came 
the words, Lord, take us to the fourth dimension for this, this prayer session. And I actually looked around and thought, who said that? And then I realized that I said it. Well, as soon as I said that in prayer, I felt like I was on some sort of elevator and I was going up and I really didn't know what I was experiencing, but the power of God hit the lady who we were praying for and she started going through a very rapid deliverance. And I, I, I had a thought, well, I guess I don't need to be involved anymore. Let's just see what God wants to do. And I, I heard these words in my, my spirit. In fact, in my mind, I guess through my spirit, I heard um, Paul try to worry here. And I laughed because I tried to worry. I had lots of things to worry about. I had a good list of things to worry about. And I realized I could not worry. So I, I said to the people that were there, and there were several people that were observing and participating, and I said to them, try to worry here. And they all started laughing. They said, well, we, we can't worry. And I thought, where, where are we, and how do you live here? And that was the first experience I had of actually entering into the rest and entering into peace and freedom from anxiety and fear. Sometime later, I was at a, a very large church in uh, Canada, and I was invited to preach, which was a significant, wonderful experience for me. And we had a, I had a sermon then on the glory of God. I was talking about the glory of God. And I was talking about the cherubim. And whenever I gave the sermon, I'd say at the end, Lord, show us your glory and the power of God would fall. And it would be quite remarkable what the Lord would do. And so I got to the end of the sermon and I, I said, Lord, show us your glory. And I saw virtually no reaction. But all of a sudden, people started getting up out of their seats and they started laying down all over the auditorium. This auditorium sat way over a thousand people. And they had huge aisles and a huge area in the front where people would come up to be prayed for anointing. And and the everywhere there were people lying down. And I, I I thought, well, I guess I'm done. And so I went and sat down down next to the pastor and I said to him, I'm finished. And he actually had his head rested back, his mouth was open, almost like he was asleep. The Associate pastor was laying down in the front of me, <clears throat> and people were laying everywhere. And I kind of laughed to myself, saying, that, "Well, I put people to sleep by my preaching before, but never so effectively." And I, I asked the Lord many times. I said, "Lord, what was that all about?" And it was sometime later. I think Brian, you may have been with me. I have this picture in my mind. We were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I think the Lord said to me, after I had done the same thing there, the Lord said to me, you're going to help people enter into my rest. And so uh, I was really amazed by that. And uh, that was a journey that led me to the place where I actually live in this place of rest and freedom of anxiety. And I know that I know that I know it's true because as this crisis has developed, and we're all, of course, in a situation where we're wondering where income's going to come from, 
and how we're going to be taken care of, even how we're going to find food. Um, here in the high desert, we are finding it hard to find, find difficult to find eggs um, and find flour and some of the basic uh, things that you need on a daily or weekly basis. But I realize that I'm actually living at, at peace and at rest. And so I, I can say from my experience, which I understand is only one person, but it is a reality for me that I am at a state of peace. Uh, Brian Barb and I were talking some time back, and uh, we had come across a verse that I'm sure I have read hundreds of times. All of you know the, the passage. It's a passage about the fall and what happened to Adam and Eve. So I'd like for you to look at this verse, and we're going to be um, giving a lot of verses. Um, so I hope that either you can write them down. And, and Brian, I will be willing to send out my notes um, and post them if that would be helpful for people as we go through this. What I'll do is I'll post it as a link in our description once we have it on the podcast and on YouTube. And I also wanted to share, uh, I have on our website, your teaching on entering the rest of the Lord that you did, which is an audio recording. And so I've posted the link for that in the chat and I'll have that in the description for the recording as well. Okay. Good. Thanks, Brian. So we were reading through the, uh, Genesis passage is Genesis 3, and I came across a startling observation. And I want to say up front that later we're going to talk about the fact that I've talked to two psychologists about this, and uh, they're both in agreement that uh, we, we may be on to something about all this. So the passage is in uh, Genesis 3, and just after the fall, the Lord who would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the evening came and Adam and Eve were hiding. And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. And this is what was startling to me. That this is actually the first fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this was the first time this emotion had been experienced by Adam and Eve and I am wondering and suggesting if it may be a, a real root to all psychological disorders. Now, I, I'm not going to say that for 100% because that would be scientifically impossible to determine uh, for me to say that. But I, I have, as I said, talked to two psychologists, and they agree that a vast majority of people, this is true, and so what was it? Well, Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So the first great result that Adam and Eve did not want, but they got, was the fact they were afraid. So fear seems to be a, a prime, say a primordial emotion that is um, very strong in us and actually may be a root to many other things. In the process of all this, uh, 
the Lord's been giving us revelation about paths, pathways, and about ways. And we're going to spend most of our time talking about this. I'll have Brian and Barbara chime in and any questions you might have about this. But one of the passages that uh, keeps on coming up is a passage in Jeremiah 6, 16. And the passage uh, has been a mystery to me. And very often as Brian and I and Barbara and Janet Green and uh, the rest of our team have been exploring, we, we get revelation and we know it with our knower. It's like, okay, yep, that's true. I believe that. But then something happens to me, and I, I call it my aha experience, where all of a sudden I get it. And for a long time, I, I did not get this. So the, let's read the, the verse and then talk about it. Jeremiah 6.16, 6, uh, this is out of the New King James Version. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways, and we're going to uh, talk about the ways and the paths and the pathways, and see... And ask for the old, English Standard Version says the ancient paths. So ask for the old or the ancient paths. Notice this, where the good way is and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. And this is the very sad statement. But they said, we will not walk in it. So, this whole idea of the ancient paths were what uh, was a, a, a very mysterious concept to me. Uh, Janet Green, who I've done a lot of ministry with, often receives words from the Lord's, and she would talk about God's original design. Uh, she said this over and over again, and so we have explored that. You know, what is God's original design? What is God's original intention for us? What does God really want with us? Of course, the issue is that, first of all, people do not want to believe in God, and so they're already starting off of a de deficit, and they must look for other places in which to find their rest and peace, and many people go into yoga or other kinds of meditation. They try nutrition and uh, all sorts of various medications, and I'm not against medications, incidentally, but they try all these different ways of finding a place for this rest. So I, in preparation for today, I thought, well, what's the context of Jeremiah 6.16? And I was amazed to find this. So Jeremiah 6.15, the verse before says, peace, peace, but there is no peace. And so there's something about the ancient paths and the good way and rest and peace. Now, if this is not relevant for today, I do not know what would be relevant. I think it's absolutely relevant. Dad, I just want to point out first the verse stating peace, peace, when there is no peace, is technically verse 14. Well, thanks, Brian. And then what's interesting is verse 15 <laughs> talks about being ashamed. Oh. Okay, and, well, and that works actually. In it? fact, I want to want to read that in English Standard, if I may. It says, sure. "Where were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall, 
at the same at the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. I find it interesting about being ashamed about the fall, and that makes me think about the fall and, uh, and uh, the first man that they were ashamed. Yeah. So uh, two comments I'd like to share from online. One person pointed out there's so much anxiety in the world. It's too bad Christians find it so easy to worry along with the world. You know, we, we've made that point that I think that we we need to one let Jesus point out to us how to be free from that anxiety so then we can learn how to share more about Jesus and the peace he can bring. Absolutely. And I would suggest, Brian, that we're talking something foundational. I really hit on the Jeremiah verse where the people chose not to walk in it. The key word being choice. We have a choice. Choice is fear or faith. And I just wanted to point out that we do have a prayer listed on Aslan's place for, uh, let's see what the name of it is, prayer to abolish fear. And in that prayer, part of it is regenerational repentance for entering into fear and now making a choice to not enter into fear. And I think it's a um, very helpful prayer for this time that we're living in. Yes. And, and the reason why this is important is that we, again, have discounted um, the results of the fall and our responsibility as Christians to work out our salvation after salvation. And the part that we must play in dealing with these generational issues. And I, I would say to those that would come against this concept that we have enough evidence, tangible evidence now, of people who are free from fear and panic phobias because generational prayer, that uh, you simply saying you don't believe in it is not a um, an answer to people who are in need. And You're saying who don't believe in generational in prayer? Prayer, exactly. And, and believe in the heavenly places, believe in the effect of the fall. So I have uh, one more chat comment, and then I was going to bring up a thought. Sure. Uh, Summer online points out that this person is a therapist and agrees that fear seems to be at the root of many distressing emotions. Well, I appreciate that. And I find it interesting that we have this contrast with the fear of the Lord. And it's like the first man and woman on the planet did not demonstrate an awe or a respect for God. They Which is did, what that word fear means, needs yeah. reverence or respect. Yes, so they I did agree. not demonstrate a fear of the Lord. So then the result of their actions was a physical or worldly fear. So I yes. find that interesting. Yes. So then it stands to reason in this, perhaps maybe part of what you're going to share that reestablishing a proper fear of the Lord then is a step towards being free from worldly fear. Yes, absolutely. All right. Awesome. <clears throat> so my aha experience with all of this has um, culminated when I was in Hawaii, I was doing a prayer session. And often we have asked people to go back before conception when they're created spirit at God's throne. And our belief at Asplace is that 
we have a name as a creative spirit, and that is sons of God. We are the sons of God, created by the Father. We are present with the Father <clears throat> before conception, and then uh, we are asked to go to earth, or directed to go to earth. And the, the first time I, I, I did this was probably uh, 13, 14, 15 years ago quite a while ago, and I, I had a client come in, and she was a professor. In fact, I, she taught systematic theology at a seminary. <clears throat> and I, I asked her to take her back before conception when she was a creative spirit at God's throne, and I actually thought to myself, I don't know if I believe that. And you know, there's times when I say things, and I wonder, why in the world did I say that? Well, immediately she had a vision of being at God's throne, and I said, well, did something happen to you between leaving on God's throne and coming to earth? And then she said, I'm walking down God's throne and I see a wolf attack me. Now, what I put together is, is uh, when I was in Hawaii, which was in February of 2020, that of course the response would be fear. She would have had been afraid because of the attack. Now, now, since then, I have asked many, many people if anything happened to them between leaving God's throne and coming to earth. And, and actually, as a very large number of people have said, I, I see the enemy attacking me. So, I started putting things together. I realized that fear would then come against us. And at this point, then, even before we're actually aware, as we are in our humanity now as adults or children even, or teenagers, of what, what reaction we have, we react in fear, uh, and then we leave the ancient path. Because the ancient path actually goes all the way back to the throne. And I had the, the series of revelations that the ancient path actually is the way of the Lord. And the ancient path is when we, no matter what, trust the Lord, believe he's going to take care of us, believe he's going to direct us, believe he's going to um, be a good God and do all things well. And we say, no matter what the enemy throws at us, no, I will trust in the Lord and I will lean down on my own understandings, and I recognize that all, all my ways he will direct my paths. And when I stay on the ancient path, no matter what, then I am at rest, and I am at peace. So now, now I want to develop this more with Scripture, and so I, I looked at these different script, Scriptures, and start doing research. First of all, there is a right way. Now, the world says, no, there's not. I can do whatever I want to do. This is called uh, situational ethics. I can behave the way I want to behave. I can walk the way I walk, want to walk. I can do what I want to do. And it doesn't matter. But that is not true. There is truth. So here are some scriptures. Psalm 107, 6-7. 
I think most of these verses I'll be giving will be in the New King James Version. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Proverbs 4, 11 through 12. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I led you in the right paths. When you walk, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. I, I remember, Brian, when I was uh, when I was researching this, that my life verse as a young man was Genesis 24, 26 through 27. Uh, let me read it to you. Then the man, now this is the servant of Abraham who goes to find a wife for Isaac. And so he finds the woman. And then the man bowed down, the servant bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has set not, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me being on the way, and I think in King James says, me being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So you see, when you're in the right way, you're being led by the way. Now the fall actually blocked the way to the tree of the life, tree of life, and blocked the way to the ancient path. Genesis 3.24, So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword, which turned every way, look at this, to guard the way to the tree of life. And I would suggest that is the ancient path, or the ancient way. Access to the tree of life is conditioned on obedience. Now, the first thing that must happen is we must be saved. We are saved by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, by acknowledging our sin, and by recognizing his death on the cross. But I draw attention to Revelation twenty-two fourteen, that there also is an obedience that comes to us who are believers. Uh, we are in a period of history where the grace teaching is being promoted a lot, and it basically says, all you need to do is be saved, and that's enough. Yes, that is enough for salvation. That is enough to go to heaven. But I would suggest to you that remaining on the ancient path means that we follow the Lord. The Lord himself said, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Uh, in in his commandments, in in the the truths of the word, in the the truths that are listed in so many places in the Bible, especially in the book of Proverbs, that when we follow the the teachings of the Lord, then we stay on the ancient path. Now I want want you to look at Revelation twenty two fourteen. Blessed are those who do his commandments. It does not say who are saved. The ones who do his commandments, for they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Now, what is the city? The city is New Jerusalem. What does Jerusalem mean? It means 
the city of peace. There is a righteous way. Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bring forth his truth in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows, notice this, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the ungodly shall perish. So what is the way of the righteous? That is the ancient way. Notice that the judgment of the flood came because man had corrupted their way. That's Genesis 6.12. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. I looked up the word ancient, because we're talking here about the ancient path, as the Hebrew word olam, and the word olam means long duration, antiquity, forever, ever, everlasting, evermore, perpetual, old, ancient. Ancient time, long time, forever, always, continuous existence, perpetual, everlasting, indefinite or unending future, eternity. So the ancient path I believe is a path that uh, connects us to eternity. Now, there, there is this good way, and the Bible talks about Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life in your presence, fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 119.35, make me walk in the path of your commandments. Notice that, the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. So one nineteen oh five, your words a light lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So his word keeps us on the ancient path. Proverbs four ten through fifteen. Hear my son and receive my teachings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instructions. Do not go. Keep her, for she is your life. Now, the she is wisdom, who is the Holy Spirit. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Take away from it and pass on. Psalm 25:10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimony. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall subdirect your paths. Proverbs three sixteen through 17, Length of days is in her right hand, that's wisdom, the Holy Spirit. In her left hand, riches and honor, her ways are ways of pleasantness. And look at this. 
all her paths are peace. Psalm 37, 3 through 9, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret. I looked that up in the Hebrew. Fret means be constantly or visibly worried or anxious. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm, for evildoers doers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Then if we look at the opposite, which is the wicked way or the righteous way, we have these verses. Job twenty-two fifteen through 16. Will you keep to the old way? So there is an ancient way of evil also, which wicked men have tried, trod, who have come down before their time, whose foundations were swept away, swept away by a flood. Psalm 60, excuse me, Psalm 36, 1 through 4. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgressions of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. The Lord, the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor evil. Um, Romans three ten through eighteen. There is none righteous, no not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seek after God. They have all turned aside, and I would say aside from the ancient path. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongue they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Notice that. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And let's see, one more. Jeremiah 18, 15 through 16. Because my people have forgotten me, they have burnt incense to worthless idols, and they have caused themselves to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths, which is God's righteous way, to walk in pathways and not on a highway, which I would say would be the highway of holiness, to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake their head. So I would say that fear is the constant when we do not keep his commandments, that we can, we can understand that fear will be exactly what will happen. Well, what do I do then? What do I do then? I try to obey the Lord. I am saved. I'm, I'm doing the best I can do, but I am still, still feel fearful. And so we'll talk about that next. But I'll let um, Brian and Barbara chime in. 
because I've been talking for a while. You were reading the verses and talking about not fearing, not fretting. And my favorite go-to passage is Matthew 6, 25 through 34 in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus is talking about not being anxious. And I think it's a very appropriate passage for this time that we're living in right now because the anxiety over, you know, where the paycheck is coming from and where the food is coming from and the whole thing is covered right there in those verses. And Jesus promises that if we seek him first, he will supply all of our needs. But I always note that he says needs. He doesn't say wants. He doesn't say the things we desire. He says needs, and he knows our needs. And part of entering into his rest is understanding and accepting the fact that he is sufficient. And Brian, I just really love your comment about um, fear being the corruption the enemy's corruption of the righteous fear of the Lord. And I would carry that one step further to say that when we find ourselves in fear, um, fretting, anxiety, or whatever name we want to call it, we have stepped off the path that Paul's talking about, and we are doubting God's sufficiency. So at least in my life, and I know in Paul and Brian's life, and many others that are listening. Time and again, God has proved his sufficiency to each one, whether it was in times of illness, in times of financial hardship, in times of relationships, all of the multitude of things that happened to us. He has proven his sufficiency. And this time of the panic over the virus, I think, is a time when we can, like none other in our lifetimes, choose to dive deep into intimacy with him and to understand and really own the truth that he's sufficient. Thank you, Barbara. Yes, I completely agree. So, um, Dad, I wanted to, to share and then comment on a couple of, of items we had over the chat. Yes. Uh, I want to first say, uh, Emma had asked this question she says, doesn't living in the new covenant take priority over the old ways from the old covenant system? And want to point out that part of what Jesus did when he came to earth, fully man, fully God, is that he demonstrated how to walk in authority given by God. And then he died on the cross God raised him from the dead. Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead, but Jesus demonstrated how to walk in authority. Now, as believers in Christ, we have access to authority through Jesus Christ. It's not ours. That's right. And so Philippians 2.12 tells us, it says, therefore now walk out your, or work out your salvation, excuse me, work out your salvation through fear and trembling. That doesn't mean that we have to earn salvation. Salvation is a free gift from God. But it means that we need to walk in the authority we have in Christ to undo the consequences of past sin so that we can walk in freedom. Would, would you agree with how I worded that statement, Dad? I absolutely agree. And in chapter one of Come Up Higher, 
I spend a long time about the whole issue of why do we pray prayers, and it is biblically and theologically sound to pray prayers. Now, there is a reality that many Christians do not want to acknowledge, and that is that there are people who are saved, there are people who are pastors, there are people who have been Christians for decades, and they are totally miserable, and Many people who are Christians say, well, the solution is you need to get over it and you need to change. And the reality is that there there is spiritual blockages that are coming against a person that have generational roots. Even science agrees today that in a whole new field called epigenetics, that they are seeing that many emotional and, uh, of course, physical, but also emotional issues that come down against us actually are in the DNA and can be imprinted in the DNA because of life circumstances. And uh, you can actually Google epigenetics and study that. So Brian and Barbara, what I'd like to do is I, I want to get very practical here. If I may, I want to lead into your practical application sure. you by answering one more question, if that's okay. Sure. Jaya, I'm hoping pronouncing your name correctly, pointed out that in Isaiah 43.1, God commands us not to fear, and then puts the question, in reality, how can we overcome fearful situations like COVID-19? So to lead into that, what you're going to share, I want to provide an analogy. Uh, Consider uh, pets, whether it's dogs and cats, when you bring out a vacuum, uh, there is actually a movie called Pets. And all the animals were gathering. And as soon as the animals wanted everyone to disperse, they just brought the vacuum cleaner out of the closet and all the animals ran. You know, for us, uh, my daughter's cat disappears and hides for hours the moment the vacuum cleaner is turned on. There is a fundamental fear that these animals have of the vacuum cleaner. Now, we know from our perspective that there is absolutely nothing to fear. We recognize from the vacuum cleaner, we recognize it is loud, we recognize it's noisy, but the, the animal's perspective is completely different. So they run, they are scared, they whimper, or sometimes dogs, for instance, will attack that what they fear. They say, this is a threat, I'm gonna attack it. When the first man and woman on the planet ate fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they now get their perspective on good and evil from the enemy. They get their perspective from dirt. So we as humans, as a result of the fall, have an incorrect perspective on what we should be fearing, just like these animals afraid of the vacuum. So part of overcoming fear is we must allow Jesus Christ to reset our perspective on what we should actually be afraid of. And so that's then why we're sharing these scripture verses, because the Bible in its original language is fully the word of God and are the full truth that we have access to. We need God to have permission to rewrite our view through by applying his word to our life. Absolutely. And so that's what we're then, how do you overcome it? It's by recognizing that God must shift our view of what we can, should actually be afraid of. So yes. 
Dad, I'll pass it to you. Let me respond to not the previous person, the one you just talked about, the one before. The, the principles in Scripture are still true, even though we are saved. In other words, if you read Proverbs, all those principles are true. And and all those principles are the on on the ancient path. And just because we become a Christian does not mean we have license to do whatever we want to do and expect that uh, God will just take care of it because we're saved. Uh, we have a responsibility to, for example, act in love. We have a responsibility uh, to certain behavior. And I would suggest that that outside of Jesus Christ, it is not possible. You do not have the power. Uh, the, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power. And the power to do anything that we're talking about does not come from inside of us. We, uh, we are not some sort of new age entity that believes that we just need, need to work up what we have already inside of us so that we can overcome fear, overcome anger, or whatever the issue is is and that everything will be fine uh it takes salvation first and then it takes the issue of overcoming in revelation it said they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and that word testimony actually means it means to present in a legal setting that which has happened to me that i know about or maybe even things I do not know about, or even people I do not know about. And this actually is the correct definition of the Greek word. And so as we're talking about how do we deal with these issues that are realities in our lives, that we need to declare certain things before the Lord about what has happened in our generational line, and perhaps even things that we have done, reactions we've had, so that we overcome. And the overcoming is not by some sort of power inside of us, it is by the power of Jesus Christ who lives in us. So we have, my first uh, comment of what to do, is we have on our website a whole series called Swan the Fly, and it's a series of pamphlets, and what is Swan the Fly of Fear? And I'm not sure it says anxiety, I believe it's fear. And there are scriptures that you can declare for 40 days. So I would start there. I would declare God's truth. Now, second of all, you may need uh, prayer ministry. We have prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people. I have prayed for people who are pastors. And I, I think now, I, I, I think of two uh, men one is a young man in his early 20s. Another is in his, I believe, 30s. The, the, the young man is at least a third-generational Christian. Uh, his, his grandparents were extremely involved in church. His father and mother are in what we would call a full-time ministry in a nonprofit sense. And he has, he has suffered from terrible panic attacks and terrible anxiety. Uh, we prayed for him. Uh, I, I had a session with him last, last November, the day after, I guess two days after Thanksgiving. And for months, I actually felt the deliverance. And he is being changed even now. 
where panic and fear is not conditioned. So I, I want to say this very, very clearly. We do nobody any service to declare you need to get over it and simply get better. That there are many people that suffer from real anxiety, real fear, and it is a spiritual issue that has long-term generational roots. And it may be that you need to have a prayer session to deal with that. I, I, I have so many testimonies of people that have been removed from panic and anxiety and even panic attacks. This is a real issue. Uh, Isaiah 43 is very interesting. Uh, it's a verse that is quoted about John the Baptist, where he says, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make straight. If you look at that word, make straight, in the Hebrew, it means to direct and level and make free from obstructions. The reality are there are obstructions that keep us from staying on the ancient path. So I think that was very, very important. Now, the third thing is an interesting observation that there can be a physical element to fear and anxiety. Uh, there is a website called OMIM. And if you go to our website again and search in OMIM, or how to pray for the DNA. So if you do a search for how to pray for the DNA, <clears throat> you can find uh, this website. And what I did is I went to this website, which then lists, uh, well, let me change that. You, you can do a search. So if you type in fear, you actually can find all the genes in the 23 chromosomes that uh, cause fear to happen in us. So this is a physical, biological uh, programming that has taken place in our DNA and RNA. So let me repeat this again. Fear and anxiety can actually be physically embedded in our DNA. And we who are Christians need to acknowledge that. It is true. Now, my my thought is that if you can take care of it in the dimensions or the heavenly realms or the heavenly places, that then you can perhaps alleviate much of the impact of the DNA. But it may be necessary, and I emphasize may, for you to go on some kind of medication. Not all medication is evil. If there are situations where there are um, physical changes that have taken place in our body, uh, with our hormones, with the chemicals, with our brain, and it may be that medication will be needed to take care of that, and you should not be embarrassed about that. So what I did is I went to the OMIM website, typed in fear, and I found that there are 127 entries for fear in our genes. Then I went to anxiety. I found 305 entries. And so then I, I explored it even more. And when you type in fear, you'll, you'll see a drop-down menu of many other kinds of things. And if you type in anxiety, you'll find a drop-down menu of many other uh, items that are, affect our genes. And you type, type in phobias, 
and panic, you'll also find the same thing. That's all to say that you can go and actually pray and ask the Lord to repair those genes addresses. So what happens is that you go and they'll actually give you a gene address, which would be the number of the chromosome and then the address of a specific gene and whether it's the P, excuse me, the P or the Q arm of that um, particular gene address. And we describe all that. And again, if you look up how to pray for your DNA. Now, Barbara, I, um, I, I talked about the beginning. I talked to two psychologists, and one of my friends who works with a man who does nuclear brain imaging, uh, we, we talked this morning, and I, I want to quote him because this is very interesting. So uh, Dr. Earl Henslin does the intake for Dr. Amen, who does the nuclear brain imaging. And what he does is he does an intake, and then he, he reads the brain scan, and interprets it to the person. So we're talking here about physical evidence of psychological problems that uh, can be observed on these brain scans. So I'm quoting him here. He said, during the last eight to 10 years, listen to this, everyone has an overactive place in the basal B-A-S-A-L, ganglia, G-A-N-G-L-I-A, L-I-A. And he says, this is the anxiety thermostat of the brain. It is deep in the brain, and you can Google it and see a picture about where it is. Now, I want you to notice this. He said, everyone has an overactive basal ganglia. It is the area of the brain where we talk about fear, it influences muscles, headaches, migraines, GI problems, stomach problems. It is the area of panic attacks and fear. When it gets overactivated, it destabilizes the whole brain, which then opens itself up to, now I'm going to quote him, he's a psychologist, which opens us up to attacks from evil. And he says this, because of this, it affects, so affects us that we do not have good boundaries. And then he says this, when we stay in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he sees a drop in the agitation. And I'm going to talk about Christian meditation, which for us, meditation is never simply opening our minds to whatever when we meditate, we are med- meditating with our, with our focus on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Two things. One, I'd like to offer a clarification on our perspective on the concept of uh, evil attack. Yes. Uh, because in the wording, uh, you read that, that we are open up to attack from evil. I actually find that that, fear, that concept itself introduces fear. I think that's a point well taken, Brian. I would rather present that the what is being described in that can expose us to evil's behavior 
or we could be more sensitive to what is going on around us supernaturally, which can bring fear. Learn time and time again that a lot of what evil is doing around us has nothing to do with us. We are not the target of an attack, but are simply experiencing the behavior that's occurring supernaturally. Would that be correct? Brian, I think that what just happened emphasizes why we like to do things in unity, because when I made that statement, I did not mean to come across by what it sounded like, and your clarification is absolutely perfect. I, I often say to people, as Brian does, many times, in fact, I say most times we're not under attack, we are advancing, but we are so used to being under attack that we get into a defensive mode, not understanding that we're really in an offensive position and we're coming against what the enemies have been coming against and we're being victorious in Christ. So Brian, thank awesome. you very much for that. And thank you. And then I want to share one other thing. I was excited to see that you sh shared information about asking God to correct chromosomes with the DNA. Yes. And so I want to point out the difference. We pray and recognize that only God can make these changes. We're asking God to correct supernaturally our physical body, to supernaturally correct our DNA, our chromosomes. Correct. We are not promoting any kind of concept where a person through meditation or other practices tries to manipulate their DNA or manipulate the supernatural on our own. Exactly. This is always done in Christ and Jesus Christ, <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are doing this. And yeah, it's only possible through Christ, and it is not us doing it. It's not our authority. We cannot okay. manipulate. Anytime a human tries to manipulate the supernatural on their own, that is a deception with the enemy really being the one who's, who's partnering with that person. We have to acknowledge that it's only God and it's only through Jesus Christ. Going back to what you were just saying about Earl's observation and the changes when the believer is meditating on the Lord. Yes. And the difference the Holy Spirit makes kind of dovetails into something I've been thinking about since we've been talking. And it goes back to the very beginning when, when you introduce the whole subject today in terms of Jesus being the rest. And the scriptures that have been on my mind for the last 20 or 30 minutes are Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. And the fact that when we are meditating on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is our ultimate teacher, guide, um, inspiration, and in Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, it talks about the seven spirits of the Lord. And we've got a lot of things flying around out there. Every news or online um, outlet that we look at has a different take on the latest thing to be afraid of. And every prophetic voice out there has a different take on what the Lord is up to and what he's going to do. I think everything that we see in here right now is more important than ever than that we run it through our filter, which is the Holy Spirit. 
And as you look at Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, the Spirit of the Lord gives us access to his wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. That is the righteous fear of the Lord that we've been talking about. That's right. When we're living in that place, we have access to God's own wisdom and understanding about all of this. So if we hear something, whether it be from a trusted prophetic uh, minister or a not trusted um, news commentator, it doesn't matter who says what, by whatever means, we run it through the spirit of the Lord to get his take on it and how it applies to us. That way we, that way we make the right decisions and we can have a whole lot more peace and we can enter into the rest more easily because we're looking through the focus of the spirit. Excellent. I want to talk about the prayer to the Lord. We're not just talking about praying to anyone and we're not talking about meditation to anyone. Prayers to the Lord help improve the immune system. There's actually empirical evidence on this now. And there's a Bible verse that would suggest the same. It's in Psalm 32.3. David says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. And this is a, evidently a, a an issue of depression that Dave was going through. And the word bones is interesting. It, the word actually means in the Hebrew to be mighty, to strength, to have strength, to be strong, substance, and it's considered as a seat of the emotions. And uh, Dr. Earl Hensel was telling me that in the bone marrow, there's a princi principal component to the immune system. And then he says in the DNA, there's a marker, and one tip is in the bone marrow, and the other end of the tip is in the brain. And so this is pretty astonishing that, that as we meditate on the Lord, as we declare what is true, what is true on the ancient path, we change our wiring. And we declare that we will be people in the rest and in peace. Now, the final observation I want to make is that, that it is possible for parts of us to be trapped in heavenly places. That's the word used in the Bible. Science and math use the word dimensional places. Fear, for example, is a place in the ungodly depth. Uh, you actually can search that out in the concordance and find this in the Old Testament. Um, the Lord gave us a prayer, prayer to remove one from the ungodly depth. And in that prayer, we mentioned the, the place of fear. Now, I have another illustration of the fact that I was stuck in a place in the ungodly width, but I did not know that. We had, uh, in 2010, been told by the city of Asperia that we could not operate as a ministry anymore in the city because it was illegal. I since found out that what they did was illegal, that uh, we were allowed to be there uh, legally. We did not know that, so we had to go underground, and we were looking for a place to move to. And I remember 
thinking, well, I will have faith, I will have faith, I will not doubt, I will not doubt. I, I found like I was, I felt in my emotion, in my spirit, I kept on pushing against something. And and though I would declare it, I, I have to be honest, I didn't feel it. But I still declared it. I knew what to do as a pastor and as a Christian. I declare what is not as is it as if it is. And so I declared it. I declared it. And we had someone come in for a prayer session, and the Lord started exposing the ungodly width, which is a place of the heart, a place of trust, a place of belief. And the Lord told us to ask him to remove us from that place. And so we did that. And this is one of the most tangible things that's ever happened to me in my life in an instant. I instantly had faith. I instantly believed and I did not doubt that God was going to do it. Now, what happened to me? Well, I had parts of me that were stuck in the ungodly width. And because of that, I, I was in a place of doubt and unbelief. And let me add this, that I think the root is really fear. The, the, the root of doubt and unbelief is fear that God will not really do what he says he will do. That he cannot be trusted that he is not good and his love does not last forever, that I am not able to receive and understand what he wants to do in my life, so I enter into doubt and unbelief. And so we also have that prayer, how to remove one from the ungodly with, and Brian, I think we can uh, make note of that in, uh, in the prayer. So I would suggest the three prayer, which is the time prayer, which is a prayer about what happened on our way to conception, the prayer to remove one from the ungodly depth, and then the prayer to remove one from the ungodly width. I just thought of something else. Sure. I, I talked about the two young men uh, you know, that I prayed with. The second young man I didn't bring to your attention. Uh, I'm still in the process of praying for him. I actually, on a regular basis now for three days, I could actually feel the anxiety and fear coming off, off of him. The the advantage of discernment is discernment. The disadvantage of discernment is discernment. And the advantage of discernment is that I know what's happening, the Lord showed me what's going on, and I can feel the deliverance. But the disadvantage is that many times, even like not only do I feel the deliverance physically on my head, but I also can feel certain emotions. And I actually found myself feeling the anxiety and the fear coming off of him. And, and I want to say that it is very tangible. I had, to, I had to actually say to myself, this is not me. This is what's coming off this man. This is not what I'm experiencing. And, and then it would pass. And I realized that that deliverance was over. And this has not happened three days in a row. It would happen at various times during the day. And, I would start feeling anxious. I'm thinking, well, this is not me. Is that I say the man's name? I say, oh, yep. So this is what's coming off of him. Now, what this is, is this actually is helpful to the people who are going through anxiety that they understand that the enemy really has been doing this uh, against the person. And it has been a, it's been a generational issue. Barbara, so, any observations? I appreciate that you've done this, Paul, because 
I think that the message that you've delivered this afternoon is really important. Um, people everywhere are just in a panic. They are. And we have the answer in Jesus. So it I is in Jesus. That, he uh, is the Prince of Peace. Yeah, I appreciate that this was the topic today very much. Very good. To conclude, I think I'd like to pray. Excellent. All right. So, God, we thank you that Jesus is the answer to breaking down fear. Jesus, thank you that you are peace. God, I pray right now that you would come in power in the lives of everyone who is watching this podcast. God, indeed, that you would come in power to everyone on this entire planet or in orbit around this planet, <laughs> for those on the space station. Lord, that you're on in this universe, your kingdom would come, your will be done. That no, fear Jesus. that the enemy would lose ridiculous amounts of ground. Yes. God, that your name would be glorified, that no, everyone Lord. alive or to be born will know and understand that God, you are God, that Jesus, you are the King of Kings, and that Jesus, you are the answer to everything. God, we love you. We thank you. Lord, please eradicate fear from everyone in this world and that your name be glorified in that eradication. And God, we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for joining us. The Lion's Den is a production of Aslan's Place Ministry. For more information on Aslan's Place, please visit our website, aslansplace.com. To donate, click the donate button, which is available on the main page. And we hope you'll join us next time in The Lion's Den.